Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Fine collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Hello and welcome to another edition of the CUDA Confidential Podcast, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, American Hockey League affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger here, the voice of the Barracuda, along with marketing manager Joey Goldstein, wrapping up a homestand yesterday in great fashion, north of 6,000 fans at the SAP Center as the Barracuda took down the San Diego Goals, a final of 5-2. to two. Not only was it an impressive win, Joe, but you, you want to win games, especially when the crowds are as good as they were for the Monday game. Um, and the team comes out and bounces back after a disappointing 8-3 to loss on Saturday. They bounce back with a 5-2 win. Yeah, it was important, I think, to, to get back on the right track and really show that probably what happened on it's Saturday. Maybe it was a bit of a fluke. I don't, I don't think that's anything to, to panic about. No need to, to, to freak out about where, where this team's at. I think it's just one of those games where things don't go your way and, and the, the wheels kind of fall off and it is what it is. happens to everybody. Happens to happen to San Diego at times during the year. Literally, you name a team, and at some point in the year, there's just one of those games where things just don't go your way all over the ice. Um, but that Saturday, I actually thought, you know, in the first period, the first 18 minutes of the game, it was very lopsided in favor of the Barracuda. And then what happened was they just they, we took two penalties towards the end of the period, and from there things just kind of started to unravel. But they really, the first 18 minutes, they were dominant, and then it just everything kind of fell apart. So, um, you know, it's, it's, like I said, nothing to freak out about. That kind of stuff happens. I think there were some defensive miscues, some bad changes, some turnovers, some bad decisions to pinch when you shouldn't have pinched. But at the end of the day, it's, that's the game. That's the game of hockey, and it's going to happen at times. And obviously they bounced back with a strong effort uh, on Monday. Yeah, it was a nice little comeback victory on Monday for the Barracuda. And I think you made a good point, Joe, on Saturday. It really was a lopsided first 18 minutes. San Jose had the puck predominantly down in San Diego's end. Unfortunately, back-to-back penalties in the same sequence leads to a five-on-three, and San Diego did quick work on the man advantage and then just rolled from that point. They got another goal at full strike late in that first period and then just kind of blew San Jose out of the water in the remainder of that hockey game, scoring four goals in the middle frame. But San Jose came back in a big way on Monday. Yosef Koronash got the start, and the Barracuda awoke from the power play standpoint as they now have goals on the man advantage in four straight games in the power play, and it was aided by the reassignment of Dylan Gambrell, who, when he hasn't been in the lineup, especially as of late, you can tell this is a different San Jose team. He missed five games. Um, before his reassignment in San Jose had just one win there, one in five, one in four rather, in those five games. And his impact was felt drastically when he returned yesterday. Yeah, especially on the power play. Uh, I mean, he scored, what was it, two goals yesterday on the power play? It, it pays off to have a lot of people in this building. They definitely appreciate the support. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's, it was a lot of fun for, for us. I wasn't playing. I was sitting there. I was working, right? I'm running around the arena doing everything that I got to do. And it's just a fun atmosphere to be a part of. And it's something you can hope with all the games we have starting to come up here in March and as important as they're all going to be with this playoff push, seeing so many good teams coming in, um, you know, it's, it's going to be important to have that support. I think I was looking at the AHL playoff primer and they've got, you know, magic numbers and strength of schedule percentages and all this stuff. The Barracuda, there are only two teams who have a harder strength of schedule from now until the end of the season. Um, one of them's Ontario, who's down towards the bottom of the Pacific, and there was another team 
uh, in the north of the Atlantic, I think. But we're right out there. And so it's not going to be an easy road uh, moving forward. It's definitely going to be a, a grind. Every game's tough. We've talked about that. But I, I do think this team's destined for a playoff spot. It's just a matter of where in the division they're going to finish. Where in the division, that's a great point. And I think it was not only was it nice to get a win over San Diego, exercised a bit of a demon because they hadn't won in five consecutive games. They'd lost five in a row to the goals. Hadn't won since they won the first game of the season series back on December 3rd. So to get one back on San Diego, especially in the fashion, because they really kind of dominated the hockey game um, after falling down a couple times in that first period. And now you look ahead, this could be a potential opening round matchup with San Diego. So to get one now, and you've got three more games against the goals with a couple coming down in Southern California, the next will be at the end of March, so not for a while. Um, good to get a win, good to kind of get some positive mojo going against um, the Ducks affiliate and with the location that Anaheim is in in terms of the standings, most likely they're not going to be a playoff team with the struggles they have had. They're going to get a lot of guys down in the near future, already a pretty loaded group in San Diego. So to at least get some positive energy and get geared up for the next time you play them, I think that goes a long way. Yeah, but let's not also, you know, yeah, sir, San Diego is going to get some help. And, you know, you could see a, a Tucson or call it, these teams could all get some help, but we've got reinforcements who are coming too. Let's not forget about some of these guys who are playing in junior, some of these college kids who may end up making their way into the Barracuda lineup at some point. I mean, it's it's there's there's help coming, you know, whether it's Sasha Shemilevsky or Ivan Chekovic, depending on how their junior teams finish up. Or Ryan Merkley is somebody who, if, if his uh, juniors team, if, if they get bounced away from the playoffs, he's somebody who could make a make an appearance. Joachim Blickfield, Noah Gregor, these guys who are doing really, really well uh, in their in their respective leagues for their teams are guys who are, we could potentially see and, and step into this lineup and make an impact. Yeah, I got a text uh, during the game yesterday from Barracuda GM Joe Will talking about Sasha Shemolevsky. He had five goals on five shots in 40 minutes of play for the Ottawa 67s. They were up 6-2 against the North Bay Battalion in the OHL. North Bay had 11 shots in two periods. They still managed the, the two goals, but Shemolevsky, five goals and five shots. Tremendous. Some, sometimes it's... <laughs> Sometimes it just seems like for some kids and juniors, it's almost too easy for them. Like it's like they, sh it's almost like they shouldn't. Be, you know, they shouldn't be there. They're too good to be playing in that league, and it's just it's kind of not fair. That's why guys put up ninety points, yeah. hundred points. I mean, it's 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 kind of crazy to think about, but it's kind of the way it goes, right? I mean, it's made more sense to have him play there than it did have him play for the Barracuda start the year. Kind of get that, especially with how deep our team was to start the year. Well, made, technically, made he, sense, couldn't, but he couldn't. Oh, yeah, I guess he couldn't. couldn't yeah, that's us. right. He couldn't play for us anyways. But obviously, he's not going to play, crack the NHL lineup. But yeah. Yeah, it's obviously he's past the point of, you know, competing in juniors. He's accomplished everything he has to do short of winning a championship, which isn't even a huge deal at that point. But get him get him healthy, make sure he gets through the year okay, and then and then have him come start playing professionally with with the CUDA. With the CUDA. You mentioned Joachim Blickfeld, too. He has 102 points in 58 games with Portland in the WHL. That's pretty good. Right? He's, I mean, that's that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good numbers. All those guys are absolutely lighting it up. But it is a good point. Sometimes it just seems like these guys are just uh, men amongst boys um, at that level. And, and it's, it's considered the best junior level in the world. So good to see a lot of prospects for the Sharks, you know, producing in the way that we all hope for. And again, hopefully we will see them at the end of the year. As Joe, you mentioned, you know, we saw uh, Chikovic last year and Shemilevsky, and they absolutely lit it up and were the spark plugs to San Jose's run into the postseason. 
winning the final six games. And I'm certainly uh, sure they're going to come in next year um, with even more confidence than they even had last year, you know, with the way that they've played this season and having some American League games under their belt. And you got guys, too, like uh, a Joachim Blickfield who, who may even come in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, right? He's a guy who kind of came through camp, sent back down to his junior club, and, and probably was, was hoping he would, he would make the pro roster out of camp for the Barracuda. Didn't end up getting that, so you wonder if he's come in, coming in thinking he's got maybe something to prove to, to everybody who's watching and say, hey, I, I should have been here from the start, and this is why. Kind of, He could come in and light it up, too. So it is exciting. You never know who's going to come, who's not going to come, based off of where their teams kind of finish up. But it's definitely exciting when you think about some of the names who could potentially be here. Absolutely. So we'll see. To be determined, but certainly good to see those guys put up a lot of points. Let's touch on uh, what's ahead for the upcoming weekend yeah. as we uh, travel out to Des Moines to play the Iowa Wilds. It'll be the second and third matchups of the season on the four-game season series with all four games coming in the month of February against the Minnesota Wild affiliate. San Jose has only one loss outside of the division this year in regulation. They're 5-1-0-1, and it came at the hands of the Iowa Wild at the SAP Center on February 5th. That was a 4-2 loss, so they'll look to avenge that defeat. And it's going to go into a building for San Jose in the Wells Fargo Arena, which Iowa has been one of the best home teams in the entire league. Going into tonight's match, in which they'll face the Texas Stars, they've won four in a row and are 9-1 and one over their last 10 straight on home ice. Yeah, they got, I mean, I'm looking through their, their stats right now, and they've got some guys who are just, you know, like we've got a couple guys who lead our way statistically putting up numbers. They've got a lot of guys. Gerald May, he was 38 points. Cal O'Reilly, who I don't think is on their roster right now, but he's got 38 points. Kyle Rao has 30. Justin Cluse, not on their roster right now, has 30. They got a, it's got to be close to 10 guys who've got, you know, over 20 points or have 20 points or at least are close to that. It's so they're kind of they're kind of in the same boat as we are, where they don't have one person who's really carrying the load, but they're getting, you know, solid contributions up and down their lineup, really being able to roll four lines, which is, it's, that's such a luxury to have, and it's so important. So it's, like we said, it's not going to be a cakewalk going out there. This is a good team. Um, I don't know. Iowa's an interesting, uh, interesting place. We were there over the summer, and it's, they love their hockey. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that that's a hockey market, but Iowa does really well. They draw a great crowd, and, and people love it there. And they've got really good goaltending, too. Uh, Kakinen, the netminer, the rookie netminer who, uh, represented the Wild in the All-Star Classic, uh, beat San Jose back on February 5th. So, you know, they're kind of led by the back end, but they do have some very skilled forwards. I believe Cal O'Reilly, if I'm not mistaken, was recalled today yeah. um, back up to the big club. So they have had some injuries up with the Minnesota Wild. We saw it the last time we played um, Iowa. They had a recall literally an hour before we played them. So um, to, do, to be determined on what their lineup looks like. They're only three and a half hours away from Minnesota, so it's pretty easy for these guys to get called up and make that trip. So um, this is a good Iowa team. Should be a good test for San Jose as they go back on the road. The Barracuda are one of the best road teams in the American hockey despite following their last couple um, of road contests. So it should set up for a pretty good one. Um, you mentioned the way that Alexander True has been playing. I want to touch on that quickly. He scored his 16th and 17th goals um, of the season on Monday. He's already surpassed all of his offensive totals from a season ago, and he's played 20 less games. He's got 17 goals, 23 assists, 40 points, five game winners. Those are all first on the Barracuda in terms of those offensive stats. And then he's third in plus minus at a plus 15 
What a breakout year it has been for Alexander True. We've talked about him a lot, but he deserves all the credit. He's really kind of taken the reins as a go-to player for head coach Roy Sommer. And there's a bit of a, a chemistry and a, and a combination of him and John Martin that have kind of meshed well. It's been an open door as the winger on that line, but True has taken a big leap in his game, and it's been fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really in his second year. I mean, he's kind of he's always had that leadership quality because he's worn a letter on a national level. He wore a letter when he was a junior, so it's he's not unfamiliar to that role. He's not the the loudest guy, I would say. He's kind of more fits the mold of a John McCarthy, where it's kind of a lead by example. And he comes in, he works hard, he does everything the right way. And it's obviously, you know, it, it's paying off. And I actually, yesterday, was the first start of the game, so he's one of the guys that I interviewed once the game finished up. And I asked him, I said, you know, he's yesterday was one, maybe one of the first times I saw him on a line without John Martin. He was playing with Jeffrey VL and, and Anthony Suomela. So I asked him, I said, you, know, said, you seem to have good chemistry with those guys right off the bat. Is it, you know, what was it like playing with them to start? And he stressed that, you know, it's, they're in a pretty fortunate situation where there's nobody on this team who, you know, they, they got a lot of good players. And he feels confident that whoever, whoever he gets paired with in the lineup, they're always going to produce. And obviously you see he, it's kind of – you wonder if it's stemming from his production kind of making everybody else better. But um, I mean, even John Martin too. John Martin was paired on a different line yesterday. And he, he played pretty well. So it's, it's nice to see that you could split those two up if need be. And you can see productions, regardless of where you put them. So it's, but he, I mean, he's been outstanding. Yeah, it's, he has been. It, it's great to see him to, doing what he's see doing. Guys, especially here at the American League level, make that sophomore leap. You hope he doesn't run into that sophomore wall. It hasn't been the case at all. He had a you know really sluggish start. He mm -hmm. came out of the gates you know having trouble finding any sort of offense through about his first 15 games. I think he had one goal, but he has turned yeah. it on in a big way for San Jose. Another guy I want to recognize just from an individual standpoint. Um, who's put, been putting up a lot of points, his defenseman, Nick Simone. He's on a seven-game point streak now, which is the longest of his career. And he's now ranking, you know, within the top 20 of all demon in the American Hockey League in a lot of different offensive categories. He's tied for 12th among AHL demon in points with 31. He's eighth in goals with nine. He's tied for 14th in assists at 22. And he's tied for ninth in power play goals. And he's first on the Barracuda in overall shots. So he's putting a lot of pucks on net. You can just tell by the way he's playing. His confidence has skyrocketed from his rookie year last year where he came in he admitted it he came in with a lot of confidence having played really well during that final stretch of the season and playing in the long playoff run and came in and he didn't really want to put it exactly like this but he eventually kind of admitted to it was he kind of came in with the mindset that I can succeed in this league and I belong I'm in the upper echelon and he realized the American Hockey League is a really tough league. Mm -hmm. He fell yeah. back a little bit. And this year, he's been able to put his foot forward, put in a lot of work this offseason. It's paying off for him. Yeah, it's, it's just, this is the production we saw when he came out of college two years ago when, he was, when there was that, I think it was a six-game stretch, and he was great, you know, scoring late goals, providing a lot of offense. That's the kind of player he is, and that's the kind of player that we're seeing now. And obviously last year, really figuring out a full season in the program, I think it's a little bit different. But once you kind of get your feet under you and figure out the, the inner workings of it, you can figure out how to adapt and, and make your game work. So, yeah, he's he's another guy, too, one of those guys who's kind of taken on a leadership role. He's very vocal in the locker room, fun guy to be around. I think a lot of the guys look up to him as, as one of the veterans here in the room who's kind of been around for a little while, even though it's really only his second year. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's kind of leading the way as far as defense. I know Kyle Woods kind of 
he's been putting up some numbers too, but really Nick DeSimone's kind of the guy that's really stirring the drink, especially when you look at the power play too. He's, work, he's the guy who works the blue line, kind of run, runs point for us. So a uh, lot, lots of things kind of roll through him. And uh, he's another guy too you could, should expect uh, to compete for an NHL job here in the near future. I kind of mentioned that last night of the broadcast. He's one of those guys that is going to start continuing to inch his way into the conversation. So much depth on the back end in this organization. It's not going to be until next year until he's probably yeah. in the conversation. I mean, he's he's right there, but I mean, he's, he's not put too, the seasons yeah. together in which he's going to, you know, he's going to certainly be in that mix. There's no doubt about it. So good to see him make that leap. The depth of the D, you know, on the back end, not only with the Sharks, but with the Barracuda is pretty evident as well. I saw Thomas Gregoire get in last uh, night. And I thought he, I thought he good. played really well for a guy who hadn't played in, I think, nine games mm -hmm. as a healthy scratch. He's only played, you know, a handful of games this season. And he came in there, and he was moving, and they had him teamed up with Jake Middleton. And uh, I thought they were a really nice pairing. Having Jake being the veteran guy and who's more of a stay-at-home guy, I thought it was a nice yin and yang with those as a yeah. combo. Greg, he, he, almost had, he almost scored a couple times. Yep. I mean, he looked – and that's, that's such a tough thing to do is to come in after you haven't played for a while and really make an impact. More often than not, you either see, if you haven't played in that many games, you see somebody come in and they're either not having an impact and they kind of go unnoticed or they're turning the puck over and it's just bad because your timing's off from not playing so long. That's generally hasn't been the case with him. Um, but seeing him be able to come in and have that kind of impact, he's, I'm, he's power play time when he plays too, which is – something you don't generally see from someone who's not an everyday uh, player. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, he's still so young, too. That's why I always forget about Thomas Gregoire. He's, I don't even think he's 21 yet. I don't think he's, he is yet either. He's, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys. He's going to continue to develop. And he's a guy I, I would assume has, they think, has a similar offensive upside as someone that Nick DeSimone has, someone who can contribute like that. It's just a matter of him getting comfortable with that pro game and, and making that jump from juniors to – to play in the American Hockey League, but he's got a lot of time to develop. He is really young, but there there is promise there for sure. And obviously, he's got an older brother who who's play, who plays in the league now, who we can kind of look up to and ask for advice. And I know he has done that. He's asked him a little bit, you know, what it, what it takes, and so he kind of knows uh, what he's got to do. So exciting to watch. Yeah, it is for sure. Good to see him get some games, at least get a game and play well. Because when you aren't playing much, you certainly want to put a good foot forward there when you do get in the lineup. So. You know, the coaching staff either, either decides to put you back in or at least isn't going to wait as long this time to, yeah. to put him back in the lineup. So um, we'll see who gets in on Thursday. I would imagine Keith Middleton probably gets back in um, by the way that he is kind of overall resume he's put together mm -hmm. for the entire year. But um, obviously to be determined. It'll be interesting, too, with the goaltending um, position. As you've probably noticed, um, you got goaltenders starting to start back-to-back -back yeah, games. Back to, I was going to say the, the, the switch-off has kind of ended. We yep. saw it uh, earlier in the week where, um, well, I guess on Saturday, where Bebo played his second game in a row. Uh, and now Coronash kind of jumps in. He had played two in a row not too long ago. So you wonder if they're kind of trying to start to figure out either this guy's had success against this team and we want to see them moving forward, or it's maybe it's just it's time to start making a decision as far as who's going to kind of lead the lead the pack down the stretch here. Absolutely, and, and that's exactly what it was. That's what uh, head coach Roy Sommer said. He said, you know, we're kind of getting to the point uh, at this stage in the season where maybe we need to go match our goaltenders with certain teams that have had success against. That's why Coronach got the start down in Bakersfield. Bebo getting three consecutive starts. Um, due in part as how well he played 
on Tuesday against Tucson and then took the loss. Obviously was pulled. Um, didn't last the entire game against San Diego on Saturday. So then Kornosh gets back in. It's just both these guys have played so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an interesting decision down the stretch uh, on who, you know, ends up getting, you know, the load of the carries. Yeah, and you even so. wonder if you get into a situation in the playoffs where you got different teams. It would be so unconventional with these play matchups based on who you've got in the playoffs. Yeah. Like if, you know, Antoine Bebo's had some success against San Diego – do you match him up? If we get San Diego, do you match him up against San Diego? And then if we move to Bakersfield, do you see Joseph Kornash take take the reins? It's It'd be highly unconventional for that to happen. But based on the way that we're seeing it kind of unfold here, you never know. To wrap up the road trip, so San Jose will go to Iowa, and then they'll wrap up the road trip on Sunday against the two, or against uh, the Stockton Heat uh, in Stockton. Just one two in a row against Colorado, maybe, so I think. I can't One or two. <laughs> One or two. Uh, I could just be making that up. We'll see. Certainly, Let me go back and certainly look. possible. Um, and then San Jose will be back at home on Tuesday, February 26th. They'll take on the Iowa Wild um, for the final game of the month. So, um, And that'll just be one game before they go back on the road. So uh, not a ton of home games to finish up uh, the month, but uh, it'll get be nice to get through February. I know everybody's been talking about the, just the scheduling in February has been pretty heavy the equipment staff has um repeated that frequently saying we just need to get through february and i think we're going to be okay but um i think that goes for the barracuda as well get through february this is a bit of you know a murderer's row stockton did win two. they did win yeah two they did win you two. Weren't, you i wasn't just uh, making that up i thought i saw that <laughs> i wasn't just talking blowing smoke that was right they won actually they won five two on uh i think it's is this friday uh i know five two on saturday and then they won six three on sunday so they're kind of, Stockton's kind of hanging around too. I mean, they're not too far out from where Colorado's at, but they're just, uh, those two are going to fight to, you know, stay in that five spot, hopefully jump into that four, four seed if, uh, if Tucson kind of falls off. But Stockton's a pesky team. They always will be, especially when they play against us. Yeah. And San Jose, you look at the record, San Jose's completely had their number, but doesn't mean the games aren't heavy and hard to play. So um, that'll be always, always a good one. Um, when those two clubs get together. So uh, we're, we're kind of nearing the point of wrapping that season series up with Stockton. So be nice. I kind of like wrapping those up, different opponents. You play, play a team 12 times. Yeah. You know, the guys get sick of them. Mm-hmm. The broadcasters get sick of them. You know, everybody's kind of done seeing them. So um, some good things on tap. Uh, we will come back next. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll record another podcast next week. So next week, I think we'll lots we, can, we can probably tease it. I, yep. We talked to him a little bit after practice today, I think. Sounds like we're going to bring T.J. Hensick on next week, so we'll have you guys get to know him, uh, kind of what makes him tick. I mean, I even I'll admit I don't I don't I don't think you do either. I don't think you know him that well. I don't know him that well. It's I mean, he really hasn't been here that long. I want to give him some time to get settled, but uh, every everybody who's mentioned it or anybody we talked to has nothing but great things to say about him as, as a person off the ice and even as a player on the ice. So I'm excited to sit down and get to know him a little bit, and uh, hopefully have. Cuda country get to know him a little bit too. Absolutely, and I'm I'm looking forward to him kind of continuing his comfort level. Mm-hmm. You know, he's played two games. Um, I think you mentioned there's certainly some intriguing things, especially on the power play. That's something San Jose was looking for was kind of a power play quarterback. Um, he's been known to be able to do that. He has great hockey sense. You can just tell by the way he think he thinks the game and kind of operates on the ice. And that comes with being uh, you know in his 12th year and being at it as long as he has. So. That'll be fun to get TJ on board, get a little bit of an insight on what type of personality he is and, 
and what he thinks he can kind of provide this team down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll wrap it up. We'll talk to everybody next uh, next week. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, big uh, three games coming up, so we'll have lots of content to, to touch on uh, when we, we come back next week for another complimentary. See you. See you. I can hang with anybody. I can drink whiskey and red wine, champagne all night. Little scotch on the rocks and I'm fine, I'm fine. But when I taste tequila, baby, I still see ya. Cutting up the floor to sorority t-shirt. The same one you wore when we were sky high in Colorado. Lips pressed against the bottle, swimming on a Bible, baby, I never leave. Remember how bad I need you when I taste the key.